This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a community of people seeking to live our lives in the orienting center of God's love in the midst of our post-Christian world, learning to lead like Jesus, live on mission, and make disciples. In nature, gravity is the phenomenon that brings stuff together, objects as small as atoms and quarks and as large as stars and galaxies. We believe the gravity of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. The Gravity Leadership Podcast is curated conversations on what it looks like to practically orient our lives and our leadership in the love of Christ, the gravity that holds everything together. Hey guys, welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. I'm your host today, Ben Hardman. I'm here with Ben Sternke and Matt Tebby. Hey guys. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) We are super excited to be bringing you a series that we're doing right now on our missional axioms. Uh, And we have been walking through the past uh, three weeks uh, around the axioms that we build our missional theology around and Mm -hmm. have been talking through those. So if you are joining us for the first time, I'd love to encourage you to go back uh, and check out the previous episodes on these axioms. Because today we're going to be talking about axiom number four, the God who cares about it more than we do, Mm. that God cares about it more than we do. So, uh, Ben, uh, tell us how this kind of plays out in your life and your ministry. Uh, Why is this axiom significant? Why is it important? Why, why Why do we coach people in this stuff? Because I think most people actually do believe that God cares. Right. Where's the where's yeah. the challenge in this for us? Yeah, yeah. Again, all of these axioms are are statements where most Christians will look at them and sort of nod their head and say, "Well, duh." But the reason they're important is because uh, we we've noticed that we we don't actually live our lives as if they were true. Um, and so, uh, for me, uh, one of the one of the ways that I noticed that happening in my life, I remember when I was um, I was a newly married twenty something. Uh, and my wife, uh, Deb and I, we decided to do this five-month discipleship training school uh, with, a, with a missions organization, with YWAM, if anybody's familiar with that. Youth with a mission. And uh, so we were youth, we were just, we were youth, and we had a mission. Um, and so we just got married, we were going to do this five-month discipleship training school, and we'd, we'd, it was inspiring. You know, we read about these famous missionaries who'd given up everything and endured this incredible suffering to kind of go to the lengths of, you know, go to the ends of the earth for God. And... 
all, all of that kind of thing. And we spent the last two months uh, of, of our time there in Venezuela um, doing this uh, short-term missionary work. Um, and overall, it was a good experience. It helped us kind of start our marriage uh, on a good foundation. Uh, we, we desperately needed something like that because um, we were young and we didn't know what we were doing. Um, but I remember when I got back from Venezuela, we were getting ready to sort of re-enter back into normal life. Um, and I realized that uh, like living this spiritual life wasn't going to be as easy as it was when I was in school, right? So there's this kind of rarefied environment of you know, uh, required uh, chapel and all of these kinds of things where it felt to me like, okay, this is easy for me to be spiritual, for me to attend to God's presence and that kind of thing. And I had this like fear, really, it was of like, man, I'm going to backslide if I don't get my stuff together uh, when it, before I go back. Like com- be a compromiser? Be a compromiser. I'm going <laughs> to capital B backslide unless I get my get my act together. So I remember, you know, a few days before we went back, I had created this elaborate, ambitious plan to live a victorious Christian life when we entered back into the normal world, right? Um, and I don't, I don't remember all the details, but there was prayer, there was fasting, there was Bible study, there was Bible memorization, there was Bible meditation, which is different from study, and there was, you know, yeah. Was there Point of Grace? <laughs> no, no, no. I was I was beyond Point of Grace at that point, uh, Matt. That was definitely not cool uh, <laughs> at that point. But anyway, <laughs> personal silent retreat once a month, you know, worship for a few hours and, you know, every week. I, I don't know. I had all these things that I, f- I figured these are going to be the things that will keep me close to God. Make Billy Graham jealous. Yeah. This is what I need to do to to kind of stay close to God, to live a victorious Christian life, to make sure that I make sure that I maintain this kind of spiritual high that I had felt over the last yeah, five you months. You never wanted to return to pre-Venezuela bin. No, I didn't. I I was that was the that was a nightmare. I was gonna. It was up and to the right, you know, from yes. now on. Um, and so. You know, I was feeling pretty good about my plan. I felt like I've, you know, I've got this. I'm going to be able to do this, uh, live this life. Um, but it, you guys can probably guess what happened. Um, it worked, <laughs> right? Just like last week, it worked. <laughs> uh, no, it didn't work. It didn't work at all. Um, I actually never even got around to doing my plan for one day. Uh, I remember we got back. It was a long day of travel, and you know, I was supposed to wake up early and pray. And, uh, you know, it's, it was a long day. And so I thought, well, you know what, I'm just going to sleep in a little bit. Um, I don't have to get back to work right away. And so, but I, I you know, I slept in um, and then, you know, the second, third day, um, it was just, the plan was out the window. Um, I had backslidden in my own mind. That's what I thought. Um, but, <laughs> but, but the plan was kind of out the window and I, ve- I sort of felt vaguely depressed and kind of apathetic about my spiritual life and that kind of thing. Just felt generally bummed out that I couldn't hack it. I couldn't do it. I wasn't able to live into the, my convictions. Um, and I felt depressed about that uh, because I realized, even though probably at that time I would have affirmed or assented to the fact that God cares more about my life, my discipleship, my spiritual life than I do, I was behaving as if God's only role in that was to l- kind of cheer me on, from like at best, cheer me on, and at worst, sort of shake his head at me and and cluck his tongue and say, well, I guess he couldn't hack it. So God was only evaluating my performance of my spiritual life. He wasn't actually caring about my spiritual life and leading me in it and present with me in it, even in the midst of my failures, which, of course, gets back to our axiom from last week, which um, 
which was that uh, God meets us in reality in those places of failure. I didn't know that at the time either, so I just generally kind of avoided God for a few months. Because <laughs> you disappointed him. <laughs> After I failed. Him. I disappointed him. I yeah. failed him. You didn't, you didn't accomplish his task list for you. Right, right. right. I didn't yeah. do these things that were going to keep me close to him, and so my only imagination for how he would respond to that would be to kind of shake his head and be disappointed and say, well, I'll have to look elsewhere to you know, pour out my spirit <laughs> yeah. or something. It's good. So what you're saying, Ben, is there is a way that we can operate in our own spiritual formation that allows us to take control of everything. It's almost mm-hmm. like in a crazy way, as Americans, we have recognized that there is a way that we control can control all of life. And yeah. if we can grasp our hands around it, and if we can win in it, and we can kind of mold it and make it what we want it to be, then yeah. it's good. And we can we can understand that. We can comprehend right. that. Yeah. But when something be- goes beyond our control, when we're not the ones that are doing the work, uh, then we have a hard time comprehending what yeah. we're supposed to do. Yeah. I think, I think we're afraid of what might happen if we're out of control. Um, I, I think uh, I, I like to be in control because, you know, I feel like I've got uh, the best ideas. And you're good at it. I'm good at being in control, right? I'm particularly I'm, of your own life, right? Uh, yeah, particularly of my own life, and um, it feels safe. It feels safe to just to just be like I'm calling the shots here. Nobody can yeah. hurt me if I'm calling the shots. Yeah. So it, and there's it feels a, risky. There's a there's a fear in not being in control. Matt, you don't you you don't love control in any way. Not as so, not not as all. So I, I don't us, love control you, in the way that perfect. you do. Uh, <laughs> Setting uh, that's a good story. Setting aside the fact that we will never know if your YWAM regimen would have worked or not if Point of Grace had been a part of it. I know maybe we won't, the, the plan was just off. It, you were yeah, lacking Point of Grace. Yeah, you were lacking that one good, thing. We I had some good worship music. Apologetics. Yeah. Uh, no, no. <laughs> uh, I was trying to figure out what, what back in the day. It was Matt Redman back in the oh, day. Oh yeah, man. he was. Great. Yeah, yeah. He's good. Love he's a good stuff. worship leader. Yeah, can, yeah. Can I tell a Point of Grace story, guys? I think it's really important. Can I light a candle so you can tell it? Point of Grace. Point of Grace came to my college, my university. My buddy asked. My buddy bet me twenty dollars that I would not ask one of them if they wanted to go get a cup of coffee with me. Did you ask? I, I did, and she said no. <laughs> she said no. Uh, but I got twenty dollars. You asked. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I, what I want what I want you to know about that interaction, Ben, is that God cares about God that cares more. About you, it than, than but I do. but. Uh, Obviously, she did not. Yes, no, she did not. Was she uh, was she married? I did not. I don't. I don't know. Uh, the, the that wasn't a part of the bet. It was just kind of a ask her out. Did he pay up? Uh, yeah, yeah. Twenty dollars in college, man. That's, oh, that's, that's yeah. Back in the yeah. back in the seventies or whenever you were in college. Yeah, yeah. Well, you yeah, went to a Christian in, college. You could buy four or five pew Bibles with twenty bucks. <laughs> yeah, a lot of ramen noodles. <laughs> Nothing against Point of Grace, by the way. No, I'm I don't just, know why that. I, I think it's funny because I, I don't know why. I, because <laughs> I, I don't I don't prefer that kind of music, and right. I think it's funny to like ac- accuse you of loving it, right? For yeah, some yeah. reason, yeah. Well, it's you know, God bless Point of Grace. Like 29 yeah. percent of the things I say even are just to amuse myself. You. Even when they reject, <laughs> even you. when that's right, God even still when, loves them. God still loves them and you. So Ben, you asked me a question before we got lost, and I forget what it was. Off track. Control, Matt. Control. <laughs> That's right. So I, I so obviously don't like control, control because yeah. this conversation is it's completely out, of, out control. of control. No, I mean, yeah. So for me, this this axiom, God cares about it more than I do. It's a uh, reminder to, that the Christian f- life isn't about isn't about me increasingly taking control of things from a 
capital C controlling self kind of way, but that the Christian life is more about consent than control. It's more about participation uh, rather than me getting everything under my sort of my thumb. So there, there is a, there is a dominion that we're to take. There's an agency. There's an empowering, uh, like ruling and reigning with God that 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 the Christian life is about. But it's about me controlling things less, not more, which is super hard for me. It's super hard for me. I remember when I was in college. Uh, I did five years of college because I spent two years. Wait, you liked it so much. I loved. I loved it. <laughs> In loans, no, I, I spent two years doing um, music theater, which was fun, but I didn't actually get any credits that would lead to any degree outside of music theater, and I wanted to eat and have a life. So I decided to major in history, and I had to go five years of college, but my fifth year of college, I didn't need all these credits, so I ended up taking ballroom dancing nice. uh, because I um, wanted to kind of get an easy A. Well, learning ballroom dancing is actually... Uh, wasn't hard. wasn't hard for me. It could be hard for some people. It wasn't hard for me because I had already taken dance and and had uh, all that kind of stuff. But after after college, I was trying to find a job, and I took a job as a ballroom dancing instructor. Of course, you did. Of course, I did. Yeah. Uh, and That's I I, I told them. I, I told them when they hired me. Uh, I just have like one college class on ballroom dancing. I'm not that good. And this lady, I'll never forget. She looked at me and she goes, "But everybody you're going to be teaching has never taken ballroom dancing. All you have to be is better than them." And I was like, "Oh, I could be better than them." Yeah. That's how a lot of churches hire pastors. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it prepared me well for the pastorate. Is what you're saying? So, uh, but but the, the, so it, this is a good picture in my mind of of the difference between control and consent. Because in a, in a ballroom dancing, and I don't know if you've watched Dancing with the Stars, Hardman, and most, I, I, most uh, nights, have not. no, I have most not. evenings, right. uh, you can YouTube. But if you were on it, Tebby, I would watch. <laughs> no, <laughs> Dancing with <laughs> Dancing with the bivocational small church pastors. Uh, <laughs> People would watch that. Stuff. I would. I'd watch it. I'd. I'd DVR me. Um, no. I, I. It was uh, one of the hardest things for people to do when I was teaching them was to to um, to invite them to trust me that uh, that they they would get in their mind. We're going to do the waltz, and they get in their mind what the waltz must look like. And they there's there's two parts of learning to dance. There's one is learning the actual steps, right? Learning the actual there's different waltz moves. And then the second is, especially if you're a woman in ballroom dancing, is learning to be led by a partner. Um, and, and that is actually more difficult for a lot of people learning to ballroom dance because they, they get in their mind what things should look like, how they should go, and then, and then they, they don't pay attention to the cues you're giving. So in ballroom dancing, you, know, you have a hand on somebody's hip and a hand, you're holding their hand, and, and you're, you're, you're doing gentle pulls and pushes uh, to indicate the next step. And they're very slight. Um, it's different than Dancing with the Stars. I mean, Dancing with the Stars, they choreograph it, and it's there really is no leading. They're just sort of doing what they've done over and over and over again. But if you're but a legitimate ballroom dancing, you, you haven't planned out your steps ahead of time. And so you're improvising in the moment. The person who's leading is improvising, and they'll give you subtle cues. And so your job is, as a participant then, as somebody who's... Uh, taking the lead of the lead dancer is to consent to their leadership and tend to their movements. And so you have to know the steps, right? But, but more than that, you have to trust that they're going to lead you in a way that won't lead you to damage 
that'll be good. That the, the the dance will be be coherent. You won't mm-hmm. fall down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're not gonna injure right. yourself. Yeah. And it's a good picture for me, like I mm. uh, about the difference between control, what my life must look like, what my church must look like. Yeah. I was having coffee with somebody from our church yesterday, and he asked, uh, "How do you think the table's going?" And I immediately started to evaluate it based upon what I think it should look like at this stage. Right. Here, here's the here, here's the plan. If God ha- cares, com- if God cares about it, yeah. it will look like this. Right. If God's at work, it, this is what w- must be happening. Yeah. And I yeah. just was uh, because I'm a verbal processor. Don't know if you guys uh, realize that by now, but uh, I was able to talk myself into. Uh, his name's Scott. I said, Scott, uh, it's it is what it is, and there's tons of beauty, and the problems we're having are the right kinds of problems to meet God in. Right. And and I realized uh, if if I have to have a certain kind of church, I will be chronically like controlling, anxious, angry, freaking out, like micromanaging, trying to create that certain kind of church. Yeah, but for me, the good news that God cares about the table or church more than I do is I can receive what is. Mm-hmm. I can, I can actually. There's something I need to do. I need to learn some steps. I need to lead. I don't just go passive. I need to do something. But I'm tending to His subtle, subtle moves, His subtle pushes and pulls, to determine where am I going to apply these steps next. Where am I going to lead out next? Where, how are we going to move next? You know, and then I have to do that. He's not going to drag me along. Yeah. Like if somebody stops, yeah, yeah I, you actually have to do it. So that's a helpful picture for me. Maybe just me. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a it's a really good illustration, Matt. And and I would also love some videos of those days. <laughs> you have those yeah. somewhere. Unfortunately, would, there were no smartphones, so people could. Or take we'll videos. we'll just post a video of you and Ben doing the waltz. Yeah, we'll uh, just we'll record point. it right after we're uh, done recording uh, the podcast. Yeah, yeah. 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 this in the episode web page, whatever. We have. You have to tend to my subtle pushes. Uh, so so I one <laughs> of the things I've recognized one of the things I've recognized as we coach leaders is there really is a challenge for pastors and Christian leaders in discerning then what's my role and what's God's role in ministry. Right. So if God cares more about it than we do, then what am I supposed to be doing? And and what does that look like? How do I, how do mm. I not carry the weight of God's role? Yeah. Uh, and, and how do I discern how God is subtly pushing and moving? So Ben, what do you, what do you think of that? Yeah. That, that, I mean, that's, that is like capital D discernment. Um, that, that there is a sense in which uh, we, it's something we have to learn uh, how to do. Um, I think a couple, a couple things come to mind. Um, Dallas Willard, uh, when he was talking about kind of how we live with God uh, in his kingdom, he said uh, it will, or well, how did he start it? God, oh, here it is. You can't do it alone, but it will not be done for you. You can't do it alone, but it will not be done for you. So you need God's grace to do any of this stuff. But part of God helping us grow up into uh, his, his life and participating in his kingdom is that we learn that it, it is not done for us. I think the two, the two uh, temptations are to control or to go passive, like, like, we've, been, like we've been talking yeah. about, like to control things or to go passive. And so that phrase has been helpful for me. Um, I think also, uh, I think about... Um, the difference between sort of just doing things for God, assuming uh, this is what God must want me to do, and really listening for some kind of a promise or some kind of an invitation. Um, we, we've actually created a matrix out of this called like hearing the promise on one axis and then um, 
sort of taking the land. It, it comes from an Old Testament story where um, Moses is, I think it's Moses, is saying to the people, it might be Joshua, saying to the people, like, look, you're, uh, God has given you this land. Now go and take the land, like go and take possession of the land. And so there, there's, a, there's two elements there that are interesting. One is God has given it to you, but then second, you have to do something. There's something for you to do. And so uh, I think there is a sense in which, for me, I have to, anytime, here's an, indica- in, an indicator for me, anytime I feel angry, anxious, like I'm pushing, like I'm frustrated, anytime I feel some of those emotions, I know that I'm, I'm trying to push into something where I don't really have an invitation from God. I'm not responding to a promise that God has given me, because the fruit of that is always in my life, typically. Peace, jo- even if it's difficult, even if it's hard, there's peace, there's joy, there's surrender, there's rest. But if I feel uh, irritated, if I feel anxious, um, and I feel this like in my gut, I feel it in my belly, like like this kind of <laughs> this kind of thing starts churning. It feels like a big wheel. And when I feel that, I know I get that when I'm hungry. Is that the yeah, same? It's probably not the same. No, no it feels totally different, different when I'm hungry. Different. But yep. I get this like I clench my teeth, right? And I, I start to like I realize like I'm trying to make something happen here. Um, yeah. And I know when I'm responding to a promise that God has given or a leading that the Lord has given me, it never feels like that. It it feels peaceful. Like I'm okay with whatever happens. I'm not trying to secure an outcome here. I'm just responding to what the Lord is doing, and I'm happy with whatever the outcome is because people are free, and I'm free, and God is free, and He's going uh, to—you know what I mean? Like, I feel that confidence when I'm responding to what He's spoken to me, Uh, and I uh, don't—when I don't feel that, that's an indicator to me. I'm I'm operating outside uh, the realm of God's leading and calling. Yeah, when we look at the life of Jesus, we see like a complete non-anxious presence all the time, and— Truthfully, when I look at the life of most pastors, I, I, I don't see that same posture. It is There is mm. within us. I, I don't meet a lot of pastors who say, man, I'm just not worried about anything. I'm, I'm not anxious <laughs> about anything. I'm not worked up about anything. I feel really great about where we are. I feel super rested. I, I, yeah. I, I'm trying to find some stuff to do with my time. Right. Kind of bored. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, so, Matt, what does that do f- to us as leaders when we carry that weight, when we carry the weight of control. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and we're incapable of bearing the easy yoke, right? We, we get worn out and weary and heavy burdened, and we don't, we don't have rest. We're kicking against the goads, if you will. <laughs> we're, we're, we're trying to make something happen apart from the enabling power and grace of God. So this is what it means, this is what, uh, this is what it means to, to do things in the flesh. We're trying to do things in our natural ability apart from God. And so, uh, you know, the 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 phrase is that I've heard this before. The comment is, you know, it's not that it's not that we uh, <clears throat> don't do much stuff. It's that uh, we do a whole lot of stuff apart from God. Like you know, Jesus says, "Apart from me, you can do nothing." Our mm-hmm. problem is we do a whole lot of nothing, <laughs> right? Yeah, and we're doing it apart from God. And so, yeah. and so, one of the things we do at Gra- one of this is like this dynamic we're talking about. Ben's is one of the reasons we started Gravity Leadership. Yeah. Right. Because we have an uh, imagination for how to lead with competency, charisma, confidence, clarity. You see all those C's. Yeah. Uh, like we, we have this alliteration. Thank you. <laughs> we we have this we have this vision of what it looks like to lead by making things happen and having the right strategy and and getting things uh, going. But but how do we discern the kingdom? Mm. Tend to grace. 
consent to it, participate with what God's already doing in a way that doesn't just deliver on outcomes. Like, I'm just going to give you the best ballroom dance you've ever seen. No, in a way that actually develops ballroom dancers. Like, right. I'm going to train you and teach you how to dance because the product isn't what our dance looks like. The product is your actual life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so that's what, we, that's what we care about. That's what we yeah. want to be about because mm-hmm. we see that's what Jesus did. He didn't pick, he didn't pick the uh, Bill Gates, right? And the... Uh, Steve, Steve Jobs, Jobs. yeah, of 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 the, the of the first of the first century. You know, he picked the people that would consent to his leadership, right? Who would be developed and then turned loose, turned loose with his authority to build the church. Yeah, and it took a while to develop them. Like the the basically the narrative of the Gospels is these guys don't get it, especially that Bartholomew guy. What happened? Are they to him? right? Just nothing said about that guy, but like. Uh, but yeah, but Jesus, uh, Jesus' mission uh, was at least as much about developing his disciples as it was about anything else, right? It was uh, that, that was really what he was all about. Well, good. <laughs> so these are here's the here's the great thing about these axioms for me is is these are incredibly good news for me. I, I don't know right. if you guys feel yep. the good news in this, but yeah. the fact that I don't have to control, that <laughs> I don't have to produce outcomes, mm-hmm. that. The, all the anxiety that I feel in ministry, the worry that I feel about who's going to show up this weekend, or is this event going to go off the way we had hoped it would, or do I know how to word this sermon perfectly? All of that, God cares about all of that more than I do, and he's willing to meet us in reality, and he's always present and at work, and he is like Jesus. Uh, that's really, really good news, guys. Yes. Yes. We hope this has been good news for you as well. We've loved journeying with you today. Good discussion today from point of grace to control and <laughs> consent. Uh, everybody have a great week. Yeah. Uh, we'll see you. Peace, y'all. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. If you found it helpful, please let us know by leaving a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you review podcasts. You can also email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com to ask a question, suggest a topic for future episodes. And join our online community for free at gravityleadership.com slash join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful throughout the week. To join us, Go to gravityleadership.com slash join. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. 
Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.